Hey everybody, how the heck are you? We're here for another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, and this week we're talking turkeys, a continuation of last week. Not a continuation with Josh, but Jacob, Jeff, and I sit down and talk turkey, a little bit turkey tactics, but more kind of turkey gear, what we take with us in the woods, that sort of thing. You get to hear us tooting on a call and and can go back to last week's episode with, with Josh and uh, compare, and I'll tell you, our calling compared to his is not pretty. <laughs> so if you didn't hear last week's episode, we talked with Josh Grossenbacher. He is a champion turkey caller. He's been hunting turkeys for 25 years, I think, so tons of good information in that one. I'd, I'd recommend going back and, and uh, listening to that one if you're, a, if you're a turkey person. You like hunting turkeys, chasing turkeys. I also want to talk about the sponsor of this show before we get into the episode. Monster Whitetail Grub is the sponsor of this episode. They are a Ohio-based deer feed company. Really great product. Like, for example, so it's a, it's a high-protein feed with mineral mixed in, and it's a like a coarser feed. It's not just corn with some flavoring or something added in, right? So it, it causes the deer to kind of slow down. They don't consume it as fast, and it sort of more simulates what they would be browsing on in, in nature. And we got some of their peanut-flavored product, and I opened up the bucket, and it's got whole in-shell peanuts in it. So that's what I mean by it's just a high-quality product, high-quality ingredients, and uh, we've really enjoyed working with them and, and appreciate them sponsoring the show. So if you would, check them out. There'll be links to their Facebook and Instagram page in the show notes. And I think with that, that's all I wanted to talk uh, to cover before we get into the topic. So, like I said, we're talking turkeys today with uh, Jacob, Jeff, and I. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast with your hosts, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff. And on today's show, we are talking turkey hunting. So we're going to kind of run through our gear, what we take in the turkey woods with us, what we like, what we don't bother with, and... Uh, just see where the conversation takes us since we're getting ready to start turkey season. We thought it would be timely to cover this topic. So I guess, you know, main things we're probably going to like, we are going to take a shotgun and uh, shotgun shells. But aside from that, what do you guys like? What are your must haves that you guys don't leave? Like when we did our deer episode, right? We had some sort of must-haves, not going to leave home without. Jeff, what are your, like, I got to go back to the house or back to the truck or whatever. I forgot my what. Well, first off, uh, the the very first thing I can think of is in turkey hunting, you want to cover up as much skin as possible. So, if and the thing that I typically forget would be, you know, like my hood or mask. Okay. Um, can't, you know, can't forget that. That's something, that's the thing you're most likely to forget that you can't forget. Yeah. Are you, cause mine is a, it's like a mesh head, um, head covering. I don't know. I don't know what the word is for it, but it, it, you know, a little pullover hood thing. It's mesh with a little window where your eyeballs look out, right? Mm-hmm. What is yours a mesh or you got some kind of polyester thing or? Well, I have. A few different options because I like to use them for deer hunting as well. Okay. Um, most of them are they have mesh in the mouth, you know, like the mouth area. Is, oh, okay. And then the rest is fabric, like, like a polyester. Okay. Um, because if I don't have that, you know, some people just have the full polyester. Well, I wear glasses. When it, things start to get hot and heavy, I start to breathe breathe heavier. And my glasses fog it up. Fogs up, yep. So, uh, I like I like the polyester, and then with the mesh mouth area. Okay. And Jake, since this is going to be, have you turkey hunted before and just not gotten a turkey? Yeah, we yes. hunted. We hunted before. Okay, yes, if you want to call it so, that. We, I've never we, honestly even been on a bird. We've walked around and I've made turkey around sounds woods. in the woods. Yes. 
trying to get yeah. that's the extent of my turkey hunting i have called to you across the hollow and <laughs> <laughs> thought we were turkey hunting uh yeah so i'm definitely a newbie at this so but so, i do have some gear but i don't know if it's any good so you pop in with questions for, mainly for jeff because he's killed the most turkeys right i've um, killed one well, just in general, I like the idea of the mesh over the mouth because I have like a polyester head covering that I use for bow hunting for deer. Yeah. And what I've noticed is it starts to really develop a funk from breathing <laughs> into it. Not, I don't care how much you brush your teeth, like breathing that much through this, it starts well, to really Well, and it really just stink. stays moist all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's then. moist in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I might have to look into something with that netting more. And so you guys, yours are, because they have like the ones that are like a full head covering that you pull over your head. And then you have the ones that are like a neck, like a neck gaiter that you could pull up over your, your face, if you will. You guys use the full head coverings or? Mine's a full head covering. It's, yeah, it's like a full head hood thing that has like a cutout for the eyes and you could even pull it down to where your nose is out depending on how you want to. Yeah. That's what I have. Yeah. I have, uh. Some of both. Um, I tend not to like the full head covering one for turkey hunting. Um, just for the fact that sometimes they get bunched up in my hat. And you have to have a, a like a ball cap for turkey hunting. Um, that's a must have. So that you can do fly downs. Oh. You, oh, oh, use, oh. you know. It, you can make the fly down noise with your ball cap. And right. It's... At, well, now are we are we on must haves or tips and tricks now? Because that to me sounds kind of advanced turkey hunting. It's, that's true. That's a good point. It's pretty I mean? easy like, to do, and so maybe that's a little insider effective. insider yeah. information. Yeah, that's, I don't know that it's required to kill a turkey to have a ball cap. Well, but. no, but you should have it. I I mean I I I use it a it's, lot. Yeah, it's sort of a freebie piece of gear. A lot of guys wear them anyway. Right. Right. And I, I would consider it, I mean, it's it's a an easy call to have on you because it's a piece of apparel. You know, it's you're not taking an extra call. It's something that you have on you. Um, also, another reason I really like ball caps for turkey hunting is a lot of times I find myself with the turkeys liking to come in with the sun you know it's always you're looking into the sun yeah you're always looking into the sun you know because that's a lot of times when you're having the best luck is right at sunrise Sunrise, yeah and not having a cap to you know shade your eyes yeah is difficult yeah okay so the head covering that's definitely that's a good uh that's a good tip so then, for me, the other thing is that is a uh, don't leave home without is turkey calls. So I'm going to get some diaphragm calls this year to try and start practicing with. But up and up to this point, it's been box call and slate call. What do you guys have, or I guess Jeff, what do you have yeah. the most success with? So last year, I found a call. Um, it's made by Flexstone. It's their Thunder series, and uh, it's a call that looks more like a traditional duck call or okay. you know deer call. Um, but it's basically a diaphragm call inside of there. Oh, so it's got a tube. It's got a housing. Yeah, and but I actually I, I brought props. Oh, you I, brought I, props, yes, huh? Yes. So okay, it's a tube call. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's got a diaphragm in there, and it basically kind of helps you with being able, you know, because I've never used one a diaphragm call before, any sort of mouth call for turkey, and this makes it pretty easy, especially for me being a newbie. All right, so toot um, on that thing. Let me hear well, that. I was going to let Jacob do it because he's never okay. used it. Okay, all right. And I bet you he can make a noise. Don't don't overblow because it, it's, it's pretty soft, this end. Yeah, and... Oh. You, know, I, you, 
even even someone who's you know never used a mouth yeah, yeah. call at all can make a, a noise that sounds something like a turkey. Well, and that seemed like it just it takes very little air to make you so you can yeah, go yeah. soft and then Definitely like can you hard. yeah. Yeah, that, that was a goose. It's a goose. <laughs> yeah. You go too hard, it's a goose. Yeah, it's pretty soft. And I have, this is a uh, an early generation of them. Okay. This one I got for super cheap. You know, it was one of those things I just picked up because it was super cheap. Yeah. And it was like, huh, eh, that'd be interesting to try. So they've they've Refined modified them. this and made this a lot better now. Okay. Um, they have a clucking per one. This is the Yelp one. Okay. Um, they've made them a lot better by what I've seen. Um, I'm planning to get a new set of them. And that uh, that was a Flextone call, a, you said? It's Flextone, yeah, and it's their Thunder series. All right, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. They have a, a clucking purr and uh, I'm trying to think of what the other one is. A cutting. It's clucking purr, and then the other one's cutting. Are okay. there two? And okay. I think there's a third option. And then also in the series, they have, you know, owl hooters and but. Okay. All right. He gummed it up. Uh, I was going to try to do it, but yeah, you can't. That's another thing that you uh, learn you when it. you use it is you need to, if you overblow it, like an over, put too much moisture in there. It, oh, that's good to know. I, I've heard, I haven't tried the new ones yet, but that's something that they really worked on. On the new ones. Trying okay. to get that because basically people were trying to blow it like a duck call or and you know, with a diaphragm, it's so sensitive. That yeah, that so it, moisture. That definitely seems like it's. And you could probably cup your hands around it and kind of broadcast that sound a little bit better. But it sounds like it's more of a, um, a softer, more subtle call, right? You're not going to reach out and like really locate birds with that as much as this is. You're coaxing them in. Yeah, yeah. With especially with the the Yelp one. Um, the clucking one, um, there's YouTube videos that kind of show you how to use them. Okay. And uh, they they have the clucking and then the cut and purr. And I think the clucking one, they kind of say, is like their locator. And they're, you know, first getting them fired up. Okay. And the clucking purr is kind of the bringing them in for the kill call. Okay. You know, they, they recommend you use them in combination. Okay. But they're a really great option for new turkey hunters because someone with no experience can at least make a, you know, with very little practice can make a noise that sounds like a turkey. Well, and the the other thing about that, and I know the listeners can't see it, but it's it's a, a short call with kind of a mouthpiece on the one end. And so you could, the benefit you'd have with something like that versus a box call or a slate call is you can have both hands on the gun and just hold that thing in your lips and right. you know continue to kind of make noise without having to move at all you know right. basically use it like a diaphragm call but without needing to learn how to use a diaphragm call you're just blowing air through this right. call right so that's kind of cool i didn't even know such a thing existed yeah i didn't either and i thought it was going to be gimmicky when yeah. i picked it up yeah you know, it's like, uh, you know, but maybe it'll be able to make a noise that will help me, yeah. you know, and it, with some practice, you can get pretty good. You know I mean? Yeah. I'm still not very good at all with, you know, any sort of diaphragm call, but it, it makes a different noise than your box calls and slate calls, you know, right. makes, it, it sounds a little different. So if they're not really biting on the box call, you can switch over to that and it, makes a little bit of a different, has a different, I don't even want to say a different noise, but it's got a different frequency. It it has a different sound to it. Yeah. It sounds different. Yeah. You know, it's the same general noise. It's the same general call, but it has a different body. Yeah, it. it's body, got some more rasp or something to yeah, it yeah. to where you could even sort of simulate more than one hen, right? They're like, right. this Tom wants to come in because there's two or three, you know, hens over there so that would that's a that's a good tip so 
we talked about calls. We talked that, you know, basically you have to have a shotgun and a, I mean, you can hunt them with a bow too. Um, but a shotgun slug or not slugs, geez, <laughs> turkey shells calls. And we talked about some of the, the different calls. Now, how about decoys? Do you use decoys, Jeff? I like to do a lot of run and gun style hunting. Okay. Um, so I decoys are great. Um, I've had success with them. Um, but they're with the decoys that I have used, they're kind of bulky. Right. So typically if I am using decoys, I'm using a lone hen setup. Okay. Um, because I'm, you know, hunting the big woods and I'm trying to locate a gobbler, get close, set up quick and call, Right. you know, okay. and then if that one doesn't work out, I'm trying to go to another one. So having a lot of call or a lot of decoys to lug around set up, yeah. doesn't really work for me that well. Right. Um, there are nicer decoys that collapse a lot better um, and look good when they come, you know, because kind of seemed like you used to have to pick between having a collapsible decoy or a decoy that looked good. Yeah. You know, and things, times have kind of changed, but, uh, I have, uh, some, some decoys that collapse, you know, and they're not the greatest. Um, I'd like to probably buy, you know, more collapsible decoy that looks better. Right. Um, so I, I do use them. And if you have the time to set up in a place, um, decoys are great because it gives, uh, the turkey something to look at. Yeah. What I really want to try to do this year is reap a turkey. Okay. So for people who don't know, explain what reaping is or, or what the term in turkey hunting refers to when you say you're going to reap a turkey. So turkey reaping, um, is using the fan of a tom to draw another tom in. So it could be a real fan, or they set they now sell turkey fans to right. to be used for this activity, right. yeah, if you yeah. will. Yeah, and the the stories go that basically toms get so memorized mesmerized by these fans that they they can't help. But they, they have to come in. They have to challenge that other turkey that you're kind of pretending to be um, because it's, they, they, they get mesmerized by that fan and they have to come in. And so the, so the concept is you open this fan up and you basically, I've never done this, but this is, you know, I watched a YouTube video, so I'm an yeah. expert. Yeah. <laughs> but you open the fan <clears throat> And you're basically crawling into the field or the opening where this turkey is behind the fan to, to obscure you from the turkey's view. You open this fan, you crawl out there behind it, and when you get within range of this turkey, you throw your shotgun up and shoot it. Some of the manufactured ones, I think, even have, like, they have a little cutout window where you would put the barrel of your shotgun through, or they've got a little, you know, they've got like a, a, I'll call it a frame, but that's, you know, just something to hold the fan open, and then you've got like a little handle on the back, I think. Yeah. And even, I think I've even seen ones that have a little cradle for yeah, your I've shotgun barrel. Yeah, some that are shotgun mounted. You know, oh, it cl- yeah, a, it would clamp like it clamps on yeah, it clamps on. So you are, I you see know, directly and it's, you know, got a window. Yeah. And apparently the turkey don't mind, you know, that there's kind of a see through hole through the turkey that's yeah. coming at them. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd like to try it. I'm definitely going to play around with using a fan this year. Um, see, see what happens. The one so thing this, I, this technique this technique only works <laughs> when you have a tom already strutting in a field. I mean, it you, the the, the tom's got to see you. I mean, you can use a fan, you know, 
put a fan out okay. decoy so out. I'm just thinking logistically. So you can have this fan strapped onto your gun the whole time. You don't yeah. have to like see a Tom and then be like, oh, let me assemble this on my gun. Right, yeah. But okay. I would, wor- you know, worried about making it look too realistic because then you're work- walking around the woods with something that looks like what everyone else is trying to shoot. Yeah, that was I was going to bring that up. There's a little bit of a safety fact uh, issue yeah. with doing this, right? Because yeah. your face is right behind this turkey fan, and if somebody just oh, there's a turkey over there, and they they start shooting, right? They're shooting at you. So be careful on public land. I guess is all I'm saying because you're not wearing any orange or anything. You're all camo, and then you got this turkey fan out in front of you. So just be careful. So you'll have to keep us posted on how that works for you because it looks super cool. Like when it works, it's, I mean, they get, again, I'm a YouTube expert. So, you know, they get in your face, man. It's like, I've seen a lot of them that's just like point blank, right? They're, that turkey's coming and wants to fight. And so it's in your grill, like intense. I'm sure it's like super high adrenaline. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Excited to see what happens because, yeah, I'm definitely going to be utilizing the fan in some way. Um, you know, I'm if I can get one that I can, you know, do the traditional reaping of, you know, going up and, you know, basically sneaking up on it with the fan out, I'm going to do that. If that doesn't set up, I, I may, uh, you know, put the fan basically on a stick and stick it in the ground is just like a decoy of its own. Yeah. Because like a visual. Yeah. I've I've seen it work a lot on hunting shows and YouTube where the, the Turkey cannot help, but basically come charging at that fan. Right. So we'll put links to, we, I don't, do you have one of these things? Are you going to use an old Turkey fan? I'm going to use an old, turkey fan from an actual turkey so we'll put if you guys want to check it out and you don't have an old turkey fan we'll put you know i we don't have any we've not used any of these but we'll put links in the show notes if you guys want to check them out or at least see what we're talking about so along the decoy lines you know you talked about they're kind of a pain to carry around i have the first couple years that i hunted i carried it was kind of a collapsible decoy in that it was hollow and you could kind of smash it flat and put it in the back of your turkey vest or something. But then to get it back to shape was kind of a pain and, you know, it was a plastic decoy and so it, you know, it would kind of make like the, I don't even know how, like that popping sound when you you know, when you like pop a panel out sort of thing, like mm-hmm. to get this thing back right. out to shape. And it just, it wasn't ideal. So I ended up buying a, one of those collapsible Montana decoy, turkey, turkey decoys. It's a, they have a, they have a Jake and a hen. I only have the hen, but they're both collapsible. And it uses, it uses like spring steel inside to kind of, sh- form the shape of the body and then there's a like a flexible wire in the head so you can kind of position the head in different ways and it's just got a stake that it you know that it slides down on and that thing when you collapse it down it's maybe an eight inch disc that's you know when it's all squished down flat it's maybe an inch thick or something and so it's you could carry a handful of decoys if you wanted. I only carry the one. But if you guys are looking for a collapsible decoy, there again, we'll put I'll put that in the show notes. It's uh I didn't have that decoy out when I shot my turkey last year because that it all happened so fast. We were you know, it was it was the early part of the season when you can only hunt till noon. We were, you know, it was I don't know, eleven fifteen or something, and we were kind of working our way down this ridge back toward where the vehicle was parked. And it was like, well, let's stop here and call one more time before we completely call it quits. And sure enough, bird fired off, and it was close. So it was like a scramble, like, 
oh my gosh, we got to get set up. And there was no time to set it all up, you know? And so didn't end up using it, but it's nice to have if you want it. And it's not, it's not heavy. It's not, it's not real bulky. So they're, you know, it's not bad to carry them around, I guess. So we talked decoys. Is there anything else on decoys we want to talk about? Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on this or not, but if you do have the opportunity to set up, you know, you're basically, you're going to be hunting out of a, a blind or something like that. And you, you have the opportunity to set up a turkey or a decoy spread. Do you have a preference on what you like to do? I have no experience with that. So I don't, okay. well, uh, I like to sh- well, I've never shot a turkey. I can't say I like to shoot turkey. I've never done it. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I have a couple decoys that I've thrown out and picked back up because they didn't work. Because I'm no good at it. Uh, so this, I guess, will take let you take the lead on it. Well, and I yeah, guess I don't like, know. I don't even know what the difference is. I mean, I have a hen decoy. I know you can position it like feeding or breeding or whatever, but I don't know when to use what and what I. Well, and most of our turkey hunting is is in woods, right? A lot right. of the stuff you see on TV because it makes for it's good filming is in like these pasture fields CRP and things like that. Or and whatever, yeah. and uh, I'm assuming that you know, well, one they like the turkeys like to be out there, kind of bugging and, and eating bugs and feeding on little grass seed and things like that and whatnot. But that's not primarily where. We turkey hunt, and so it's not like the turkeys can see the decoys from a long way away. And I've even heard that in like hill country, you got to be kind of careful that if a turkey pops over a hill and there's a decoy in its face, like it can kind of freak it out. I've heard, I think I heard that on one of the Drury podcasts because they they still do a lot of turkey hunting, but I know they they you know back in the day they did a lot of turkey hunting and and films on on turkey hunting and i want to say it was one of their podcasts where they said you know in hill country you got to be a little careful because if it if they pop over a hill and there's a turkey there where they didn't expect it or or whatnot you know they might it may kind of spook them and cause them to run the other way so i guess that's my that's the extent of my turkey decoy um knowledge Mm -hmm. so what do you like well i've recently past couple of years been hunting turkey um in an area where they're they don't gobble i don't know what causes it um but there's plenty of turkey catch them on trail camera but they do not gobble um and i've i've never shot a tom on this property um but i have shot a bearded hen Okay. Um, and the spread that I like, just because it makes sense, because I had to start using decoys because uh, I'm setting up in a area where it's a, a natural kind of congregating, strutting, feeding area. Um, and the, I noticed the turkeys would come and not you know they'd hear me calling they'd come look in that area and not see a turkey and kind of turn around and leave okay and, and we're talking 100 yards away right okay you know, they it's kind of in a a valley area where they like the strut in there and up on the hills it's more thicker cover and they'll come to the edge of the hill kind of look down in there not see anything and leave right um so what i like to use because it makes sense to me is a hen with a jake decoy never actually successfully harvested a turkey using this pattern um but it made sense okay um i've called in a lot of hens that come in and hang out um with those two decoys um but I've never called in a male bird. Okay. I called in a bearded hen. 
uh, and harvested it off, you know, that setup. But so far, that's the best I've done. Uh, I believe I've only ever harvested one other bird off decoys, and that was actually I used a lone Jake decoy. Okay. Um, in hopes that I kind of put there was a clearing, the turkey were coming down a ridge. At least that's the way I expected them to come. Was they were going to walk down the ridge towards me. It was kind of a thick area, and then there was a clearing that basically you could see down that whole ridge from that clearing. And I put that lone Jake in the clearing so that what I was thinking was that the turkey, the toms, would come down the ridge and would see a male bird over there and know that they hear female birds. Yeah, okay. So they wouldn't hold up on me. That's what I was really trying to prevent was Mm -hmm. that they would feel that they had to come in and come in now because there's a male already over there with those birds. Right. Okay. So seemed to work. Um, There was two toms and they came in pretty hot and heavy. They were angry. Um, You know, I don't know if they were just really excited by the calling or if they saw the decoy, but they, came in fast and you shot one of these this worked out okay this worked out um so you know i can't really say that the decoy was what did it but it that was a successful hunt using decoys okay and that was sort of a run and gun type setup so i didn't have much in the way of decoys on me okay um i think i had i may have brought two that day I had a hen and a jake, and I think I put the jake out because I wanted those other. I had some. I had some history with these toms. Oh, okay. And they liked to hold up on me. They would come to about fifty, sixty yards and stop. So I wanted, and that was even with using a hen decoy. Um, so I wanted to try something different and I wanted to basically try to make them angry. Right. Okay. So I thought seeing another male may, you know, may trigger something, make them angry, make them actually come and And it worked. something worked that day, whether it was the calling that day or if it was the decoy, something worked that day. That's good. All right. So any other sort of i mean those are the big things right calls decoys sort of your headgear right your your face mask and some gloves to cover your hands right you want something to basically be full camo is there anything that you carry in your vest that is maybe non-traditional or that people might be surprised that you that you have my uh, item that I carry a lot when I'm turkey hunting that I you know, don't know anyone else that carries is a rabbit in distress call. Okay. Um, and I mostly use that when I'm turkey hunting and I've called in a coyote. Oh. And it's kind of looking around. If you bust out a rabbit in distress call, switch it up to that that coyote typically comes sprinting. Like, it, it's no longer looking around. It It has identified where that noise came from. You know, because a turkey, it thinks it can see. So it's kind of still looking around, trying to spot the turkey. But a rabbit in distress, you know, I don't think they typically think that they're going to see it. They're going to just kind of run up on it. Right. So rabbit in distress... Coyote comes running in so you can blast it. That is something that uh, I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't expect somebody to have in their turkey vest. Yeah. And I've also used it to uh, get turkeys to shock gobble. Oh, okay. Um, you know, if something, because one of those really quiet days where it's like, you know, nothing's, there's no gobbles. I've busted it out and lo and behold, shock gobble yeah you know so at least i know 
hey, there's a turkey over there. Over that way, yeah. I can go over there, sit down, start calling, and see if it comes in. One thing, and I don't know if I'm going to carry it in my vest this year because I don't think I used it last year, but I carried a pair of hand pruners in my vest. The idea being, you know, when you set up, like, ooh, I got, you know, there's like some brush or some some small saplings or things that I need to kind of clear out to clear some shooting lanes. Instead of snapping these things off and potentially freaking a turkey out, you can just kind of nip those things off with a pair of hand pruners pretty silently. That being said, I don't, I don't think I used them at all last year and they're kind of you know it's a it's a hunk of metal in your you know they're kind of heavy so i don't know i carried him last year i don't know if i'm going to carry him this year or not because i didn't i didn't use them so all right anything else we want to cover on uh yeah i got turkey a gear a few more things i wanted to well and this is more of a tip um and that's something that i've learned that i like when i'm setting up is I like to uh, set up, if, if if I can find it, like behind a log or something like that. Okay. So that I don't need to hold my gun with two hands kind mm. of thing. Like I can have my gun rested where I think the, the turkey are going to come. And I mean, you can do it with your knee, but then after t- you know a little bit of time, the gun starts cutting into your leg or this yeah. or that. So I really like to find like a, a stump or a log or a rock pile um, to kind of set up behind because first off, it breaks up your outline. Yeah. Um, and second, it gives you something to rest your gun on. So you can have a hand free, have your gun right where it needs to be. And a lot of times it will mask the movement of you calling, you know, because it's behind right, the yeah. log or whatever, and it allows you to have that extra movement. So uh, that's a, a tip that I've learned that I I really like to do. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to find, but if you if you spot that kind of setup, you know, if you can do that kind of setup, I like setting up behind a log more than I do on a tree. Right. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, and then another tip slash gear thing uh, that I think is important is basically trying different ammo. Um, don't just think, you know, buy one kind and think this is as good as it gets or that my choke's no good. Um, the ammunition, the shells, and the choke kind of need to agree. Right, okay. You know, different chokes shoot better, or different ammunition shoots better or worse out of different chokes. Um, so try some different stuff. Um, I know that can get very expensive yeah. because turkey ammo is expensive. And turkey chokes aren't, I mean, there's some cheap ones, but you can spend a lot of money on a turkey choke. Right, right. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of, they, they want to change both all the time. They want no. they, the, the, the choke's no good, so I'll change that. And I didn't have much luck with this ammo, or this is the newest, greatest thing, so I'm going to try this ammo. And they still don't really mesh. So it's it's good to, to find a choke and an ammo that work well together. Um, because I've seen vast differences between, you know, the same ammo and two different guns. Okay. Yeah. And different ammo in the same gun as to how it performs. Um, even, even shells that on paper are identical, but made by two different manufacturers, big difference. You know, Oh, you're saying like the specs are, yeah, the specs are, almost identical when you said on paper I, the what popped into so, my head yeah. is like the pattern on paper yeah it, no yeah. no the, the specs are you know supposed to be identical but it's a different brand which i'm if i had to guess what's causing this is it's slightly different design in the wadding okay is causing 
big differences in how it how it reacts to your barrel and your choke. Okay. Um, but it it can get expensive, and that's kind of why I sort of recommend not buying the most expensive ammo because it if if that doesn't really work well with your gun you know you kind of threw that money away yeah you know because you kind of feel obligated to use it even though it's not really performing well because you spent a bunch of money on it yeah yeah and uh i've found that sort of the the high end of the cheap turkey ammo works pretty well you know, what are you calling, like, what price point are you talking about? I'm talking about, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe the $17, $18 for 10 Okay. Um, instead of the stuff that's 10 11 12 or below $10. Um, that, because I've, I've used some, a few spare rounds of, you know, that people had left of even more high end, you know, the stuff that's twenty five dollars, thirty dollars yeah. for ten. Um and didn't notice much of a improvement between that and the higher, you know. Um I think what I'm using right now is it's a somewhat new uh, product on the market. It's made by Federal. I think it's called Federal Grand Slam. Okay. It meshes well with my gun. Um, I don't think it'll work that you know as well for everyone because matching the shell to what your your gun setup is really important. Yeah. What works well for someone else does not always work well. And that for Grand you. Slam, it's a it's a copper plated lug or lug copper plated lead pellet i believe so yeah. okay yeah it's copper plated lead um and federal has their what do they call them their flight control wad or yeah, something yeah that's what they are kind of toting as being what makes them different is their flight control wad um i don't know it works well for me um so okay well Oh, one thing I thought of while you were talking is another thing to bring is uh, a pad or something to sit on a butt pad. Like my turkey vest has a built-in pad, but you're going to spend a lot of time sitting on the ground and getting a wet butt, you know, because it's springtime. The ground's going to be moist, damp, you know. And it just, like, my butt and legs go to sleep, you know, from just sitting in these, you know, kind of awkward positions like, that's one thing I would say is when you're setting up, you might be there for some time, you know, a half hour or something, you know, and so 45 minutes, whatever, however long it takes to, to kind of make the the turkey come in. And so sometimes you get a turkey that comes in the 60 yards and stops there and you're sitting there for like two, three hours yeah. because it's like, I don't want to scare this thing off. It's, you know it only needs to come a few more yards right. and it's within range. Yeah. But I know I can't shoot now and it's just sitting there strutting. Yeah. I've had this happen and it's, it's terrible because nothing you're doing is bothering that Turkey at all. Yeah. You know, it's having a grand old time gobbling and strutting. Yeah. And you're just sitting there and it's like, I don't want to scare it off, but it's not going to come any closer to me. Yeah. So something to sit on to keep you comfortable is probably important to have. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a don't leave home without, but it's definitely a nice to have something yeah. to something to sit down. It's definitely on. a luxury item that yeah. is. It's worth the money. It's worth it's worth packing into the woods. Yeah. Or if you you know because I've seen a couple turkey vests that have a built-in pad in them. You know that it kind of folds up and either. Mine's got a mine's got a magnet in it, so it just snaps. You know, you fold it up behind you, and it and it clips or not clips, but you know the the magnet snaps together and and it holds it up. I've seen them with little um, 
with those little buckle, the pinch buckles. I've seen them with Velcro, with snaps, you know, whatever. But, yeah. Okay. One other tip I have for newer turkey hunters, um, I'm sure for veterans this is, well, no duh, but, you know, I was mostly self-taught with turkey hunting, you know, kind of me and my dad were kind of learning how to turkey hunt at the same time is uh, basically finding good roosting areas um, as to where, where to start. Um, I like to start, if, if, you're, if there's not a lot of pine trees around, go to the pine thicket, start by it, because turkeys like to roost in pine trees. They have good straight branches. Um, and then another good place um, is hilltops um kind of like that that first tree that's going to get the sun in the morning okay um you know that first big old tree a lot of times that's the tree or close to it um you know a lot of times it's like a big old oak or a old maple a lot of times you're you're thinking i should cut that thing down because it's old and rotted you know it doesn't have good timber value anymore um those good habitat trees kind of um that that's really their only value a lot of times that's the tree to kind of start by okay um because i've had good luck um i've pine trees though are my my hot tip a lot of places i hunt don't have a lot of pine trees so those little patches of pine trees that are around uh, seem to congregate turkeys yeah yeah there that seems to be especially if, if you if you just you don't know you know you're going in blind if you know where the pine trees are start there okay all right well i want i we we got to tell the the shot gobble with the shovel story okay before we close so shot gobble is for some reason Loud noises or sort of random noises seem to cause a turkey to gobble. Call it a shot gobble. Yeah. Primarily in the spring. Doesn't have to be the spring, but primarily the spring. Yeah. So like a car door slamming or sirens or, you know, will cause a turkey to fire off. Thunder. That's that's one that you, you run into a lot in the spring as you get these thunderstorms that roll in yeah so this was last year wasn't it uh two years two ago. years, two years ago okay two years ago we were down at our our cabin and we were doing it, our rudimentary habitat improvements we were well planting some clover yeah and it was during it was after legal time right it was it was early in the season when you can only hunt till yeah. noon. I, I think, think or, might have been I right at time we, or it was yeah i think something. we all kind of came back a little early that day and because i think it was still within legal shooting but okay. it was like right right at the end yeah so anywho we were we've got some yard down there and we were thinking about converting it to like a small food plot we were going to try and see if we could get some clover to grow and so we played around with, uh, like we were clearing the grass out of this one area. We were going to put some clover seed down. And in doing that, we had kind of scraped the grass off of this small area. And we were, as I recall, we had like spread the cement, seed. and it was like old cement, I don't know, blocks or something that was right at ground level. Someone had put, there's a couple of them. I don't know. There's like spots of concrete or stone or rock or something that were we were trying to dig up and turn the soil over. Okay. We kept hitting these. I don't know if it was. I don't think it's concrete. I think it's rock. But it's almost like someone had used it. They're like in a line. They were purposely put there. But then over the years, the grass and like walkway was, stones yeah, or something. Something like that. It's like a walkway stone type thing. So anywho, we were. We were using this shovel to then pack the dirt back down. So we're 
we're hitting the ground with the the back of the shovel and it's kind of making a slapping noise or, you know, I don't know, the sound a shovel makes when you slap it on the ground. Yeah. And sure enough, right up on the hillside, right above us, not far away, turkey fires off. And we all just looked at each other like, because like Jeff had said, we had kind of called, it was an unsuccessful day. We we weren't really getting turkeys to gobble, you know, it was like, well, let's just go. I don't think any of us heard a single turkey all morning. Yeah. And so they just just, were not gobbling that year. That year we had no luck. I mean, no one. Yeah. It was just one of those, you know, like, you have got to be kidding me. We've all been out in the woods all morning, not heard a single bird. And here we are farting around in the yard. Turkey fires off right up above, right up on the hill above us. So that's the way turkey turkey hunting goes. Sometimes though, that's what keeps it interesting. So, anything else we want to touch on before we sign off? I don't. Jacob's going to shoot a turkey this year. I'm going to shoot a turkey this year. We'll follow on the social. It'll be documented. I'm going to put one down. If you see a bearded hen, are you shooting it? I won't know the difference, so I'm shooting it. Oh, yes, you will. Yeah. You you don't know the difference between a hen and a... No, I do, but I'll probably be so amped up that it has a beard, I'll shoot it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because it's going to... I mean, at least the ones that I've seen, I mean, it's like a pencil. You know, instead of like a ponytail, it's like it's got a little pencil, you know, worth a beard there. Yeah. Well, let me put a disclaimer on this. If it's like any of my past turkey hunting experiences, I certainly will shoot a bearded hen because I've never heard a turkey gobble while I'm hunting it. Mm-hmm. So when hunting gets that slow, if anyone listens to this podcast, you know I don't have the patience that most people have for hunting. <laughs> I am impatient. I move around too much. Can't sit still. So if the turkeys aren't talking... Bearded hens better watch out. Well, <laughs> and this is another kind of question. What's what's the closest you guys have ever had a hen come to you when you're calling? Um, Never. Not yeah, not that. I've jumped some hens out of a field one time when I was walking. Okay. Surprise. Cause that's what always kills me is like, you know, how close I can get hens to come to me. It's like I'm clearly doing a good job here. You know, but because I've I've had a hen basically look, I mean, it was probably four foot from my barrel. Oh, really? Like, and it it jumped up on a log in front of me, and I mean, was like straight down, like four foot from the end of my barrel. Yeah. And it's like, clearly, and I was a kid, and I think dad didn't think that I knew that you know, the difference between a tom and a hen because dad's sitting there saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, you know, whispering. And it's like, well, no, duh, dad. <laughs> you know, like what, you know, but yeah. I, I think he, because I was, I was young and I think he, he was either worried that I was going to shoot it yeah. or didn't think I knew the difference. Yeah. You know, because this was pretty early on where we hadn't gotten many turkey in close yeah and this one kind of ran i mean it kind of ran straight for us and this log was kind of obstructing its vision so it thought that i think if it hops up on this log it's gonna see you know the other turkeys and yeah hopped right up you know in front of me so you're at least good at speaking the hen lingo yeah. Just got to kind of fine tune yeah, it to I'm, get the big boys. I'm really in. good at talking the hens. I am not very good at toms. The the to- and I I think it's a I over call. I call too much. No, okay. I think and the the toms that know, you know, I'm too fired up of a of a hen. So they think, "Oh, well, I can stop. She's going to come to me. She's you know, oh right, she's hot, you know, and I think that's I think I overcall, so that's what I'm gonna try to do is dial back and call less. You know, I'm I'm good at making them gobble. I'm not good at calling them in. 
I was wondering if they were thinking like, man, that lady's crazy over there. I'm well, going. yeah, that could be too. <laughs> you know, I do have to back up. I'm a master at calling in Turkey during deer season with what? deer calls, <laughs> not Turkey calls. <laughs> I always am deer hunting, bow hunting. And I seem to get, they never come into range, but I always seem to either I'm bad at picking, I'm good at picking turkey spots and tree stands or, but I always seem to have turkey around in the fall around me. Yeah. They're not close enough to shoot with a bow. Um, I don't even know specifically if these are during the fall turkey season or not, cause I'm not turkey hunting. So I don't know when it happens, but never times they are always groups of hens, yeah. but they always seem to come in. When I'm trying to call big giant bucks, mm. I call in big giant hens. I've had that happen a lot, actually. <laughs> At least mm. once a year, I usually end up in the middle of a flock of hens. And it's like, I don't know. And then I'm always, after they leave, I'm always like looking on my phone. Do turkey scare deer away? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, deer come if turkey just came. <laughs> you know, because Google knows everything. So. Yeah. And I have never gotten a straight answer to that, so I guess if anyone knows specifically, well, you see trail camera pictures online together, with turkeys and right. So I have the opposite the problem. I am really good at calling deer with turkey calls. I I have the closest deer encounters I've ever had while turkey hunting. I mean, I don't know. There's just something weird about deer, though. In the spring, they just don't use their brains. Like, you can walk up on, I remember we were turkey hunting that one year. We walked up on this, which at this point, you couldn't really tell it was a big giant buck. But it's, it was, I mean, the bases were starting to come in, I think, if I remember right. And it had big old fat bases on it. And we were 15 yards from it. Yeah. Right over a ridge. And it just stood there and stared at us. It's like, why don't they stand like that when I'm hunting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I one time set up on what had to have been the best deer trail in the woods while turkey hunting you know i'm trying to call in a gobbler and it's just deer after deer after deer walking past me at like 20 yards Hmm. i mean just groups of them just back and forth and it's like you know if if i had this kind of luck during deer season you know it would be a slam dunk yeah 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 and it's like i can come sit on this trail during deer season, and I know I'm not going to see deer yeah. like this. The other thing I've seen people do is they'll carry a turkey call, like a diaphragm call, in their mouth while deer hunting. And if they, like, on their way to their stand or where they're wanting to go, if they jump a deer, they'll start making turkey sounds. To You know, as long as they didn't get winded, if they're going in with the wind in their face, and the deer just hear something or, or maybe sees some movement and they, they you know, they kind of jump. They'll start, you know, you know, whatever, making some turkey noises to kind of put the deer back at ease to, uh, you know, keep from kind of blowing up their hunt for the evening. I've seen people do that. I've never done it, but I have seen people use that. And just for clarity's sake, that was Jason with straight vocal cords. That was not a diaphragm call. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We've talked, to, we've covered some good stuff, I think. Gear and some tips and stuff. We're we're still definitely learning, and so hopefully we're going to get into some birds this year, and at the very least we're going to have fun walking around the woods. So keep us posted on, on your guys' turkey adventures this spring. We want to see your see your photos, hear your stories. Follow us on Facebook, we're Ohio Huntsman, and follow us on Instagram, we're Ohio Huntsman Podcast. As well as make sure you're subscribing to the show, however you're listening. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, wherever we even post our 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 episodes to YouTube. Wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribing. That way you're getting notified when we post new episodes. And also, sign up for our email list. That's where we notify of new episodes as well. Any kind of news that's going on in the hunting world in Ohio. And uh, kind of current events.
And last but not least, we still have our Eat Local shirts. If you guys are, are wanting to get a, a Ohio Huntsman shirt, we have our Eat Local Ohio Huntsman shirts. So definitely check those out. That helps support the show as well. And with that, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.